I'm Scott. And I'm Jason. Welcome to Skipped on Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. Today we're going to be talking about the Oasis song, Roll It Over, from their 2000 album, Standing on the Shoulder of Giants. I want to start off this episode by talking about a party that I went to at one point. Well, it, was, it wasn't really a party. It was like a, a small gathering of friends. And uh, somebody had hooked up a Spotify playlist, you know, thing to a speaker system that was that was in the house where we were all hanging out. And an Oasis song came on. I don't remember what it was. It might have been Wonderwall, most likely, because that's, you know, the most famous one. And somebody's like, oh, Oasis, like, you know, talk about talk about a band that just like, you know, came and went or whatever. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Oasis is one of the most important and biggest bands of all time. And you can't just write them off as just like the Wonderwall people. And they're like, no, what are you talking about? Like, I, well, I name one other Oasis song. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, you know, Champagne Supernova, Don't Look Back in Anger, you know, Live Forever, Supersonic, all these songs. And the person that I was talking to was like, oh my God, wow. Yeah, these were all like really good songs. I just like, you know, didn't make the connection. And it was so weird to me because Oasis, when I was growing up, you know, when, when they first came out, they were so big. And they were everywhere to like think that like, you know, 20 years later now, people are just like, oh yeah, Oasis, whatever. Just really whatever. So I really hope that there are people listening to this to this episode who maybe don't know Oasis or maybe only know some of the bigger hits like Wonderwall or whatever, because you're in for a ride. Like this is this is a real important and big band. <laughs> I think it's because they were so big. I mean, I remember, I don't so much remember the first record Definitely, maybe, and and live forever. I, I mean, I know I heard it, but I definitely remember what's the story, Morning Glory, being like so huge, and it was around that time where you know I could you could throw on MTV and watch you know at least a couple of different Oasis videos and stuff, and I feel like they almost were too huge that you didn't weren't quite sure when something else came out. Yeah, because what's the story, Morning Glory, was like everywhere, everything, all the time. And you mentioned Wonderwall. It's like Wonderwall still hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> and, and and I feel like that's that's kind of what happened to me was sort of like losing track of the band because it was like they were so huge that I, I don't know. At, at some point, I stopped sort of following them. There was like an and, oversaturation. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think something where it's just like, okay, I've heard this stuff. You know, I'm, I'm going to wait until they do something new. And then you never kind of like check back on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just like, Ooh, I left them there. I hope they're, I hope they're okay. <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of great stuff in Oasis and, uh, their history is, is totally fascinating. There are multiple ways. There are multiple documentaries you can see now, including a great one called supersonic. So good. So good. If you, you know, are all interested after this episode in learning more about Oasis, highly recommend watching anything involving them because they're all almost always interesting and, and, and cool. So, so definitely check that out. But first we're going to talk to about this song roll it over which is one of my favorite oasis songs uh on on a record that kind of gets passed over pretty pretty significantly even by hardcore oasis fans so we're going to talk about that but first let's give you a quick refresher on who oasis is where they came from and all that uh coming up right now on the changing of the seasons the thoughts that i can 
get into the beginnings of Oasis, we need to talk about the two most famous members of the band, brothers Noel and Liam Gallagher, born in 1967 and 1972, respectively. Both Liam and Noel grew up poor in England with an alcoholic father who was very abusive to the entire family. Eventually, Peggy Gallagher, the boy's mother, took the children away from their father and raised them on her own. Noel and Liam escaped from their abusive and disadvantaged childhoods through music. Eventually, Noel joined the music industry as a roadie for an English rock act called Inspiral Carpets. He spent two years on the road with the band while, back at home, Liam joined a band called The Rain, which later changed his name to Oasis. Oasis consisted of Liam Gallagher on vocals, Paul Bonehead Arthurs on guitar, Paul Gwigsey McGuigan on bass, and Tony McCarroll on drums. While home on a break from touring, Noel attended the first Oasis show in 1991. Noel could see that Oasis wasn't very good, something that all the other band members would have agreed with at that time, but he was surprised by the potential in Liam's vocals. Shortly after seeing the show, Noel approached Oasis with a proposition. Let him join the band and bring with him the catalog of songs he had been working on for years. However, he wouldn't join unless he had total control over the group, acting as its leader and sole songwriter. Since Oasis had just a handful of songs and no clear leader at the time, the band readily agreed. Oasis then became a five-piece, with Noel Gallagher on guitar and backing vocals. The band rehearsed, played shows, and cut a few demos for about a year. Their big break came in 1993 when they played a show in Glasgow, Scotland. Oasis was invited to play the gig by a band called Sister Lovers, who shared a rehearsal space with the band. One of the band members in Sister Lovers was dating Alan McGee, who co-owned one of the most famous English record labels called Creation Records. McGee attended the gig to see his girlfriend and was floored by Oasis, despite the band playing only a handful of songs to a basically empty club. He was so impressed, he offered them a record deal on the spot. That documentary that I mentioned earlier, Supersonic, actually has footage from this gig, and there's literally no one there. (laughs) It is an empty venue. With Creation's help, Oasis recorded and released its first single, Supersonic. Check that out. The band released a few other singles while it worked on its debut record. However, recording the album was plagued with difficulties. The band would finish and then scrap the album, as well as hire and fire people to work on it several times. Eventually, in late 1994, the band finally released its first album, which was titled Definitely Maybe. Words cannot state how massive Definitely Maybe was. Because Oasis had already released several successful singles and toured nonstop, the album flew off the shelves. It went straight to number one in the United Kingdom and became the fastest-selling debut album in UK history. The album had five massive singles, including Supersonic, Rock and Roll Star, Cigarettes and Alcohol, and, of course, one of the defining songs of the 90s, Live Forever. Maybe I don't really want to know How you got in girls Cause I just want to fly Lately Pain in the morning rain, as the soul shoots to the bone. 
Despite the success of the album, Oasis was already in a shambles. Heavy drinking and drug use ran rampant throughout the group, and Liam and Noel fought constantly both behind the scenes and even on stage. Noel even quit the band temporarily after a disastrous gig in the United States when Liam threw a tambourine at him during the show. With all eyes on the group, Liam and Noel became tabloid fodder, which only bolstered the band's success. In 1995, Oasis released a new single called Some Might Say, which went straight to number one. Around this time, drummer Tony McCarroll was fired due to, in Noel's words, him being a poor drummer. Alan White replaced McCarroll and work started on Oasis's second record. Towards the end of 1995, Oasis released its sophomore effort titled What's the Story Morning Glory. While Definitely Maybe was a huge success in the UK, this second album was a worldwide smash, spawning some of the most iconic songs of the decade, including Don't Look Back in Anger, Champagne Supernova, and quite possibly the band's most popular song, Wonderwall. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you. By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. Backbeat, the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out. I'm sure you've heard it all before, but you never really had it down. Initially, the softer sound of this second album received some critical negativity, but the sales didn't suffer. What's the Story, Morning Glory went on to sell over 22 million copies, making it one of the best-selling albums in history. For reference, this album sold more copies than the debut records by Eminem and Britney Spears, Michael Jackson's Off the Wall, and even Green Day's Dookie. In 1996, Oasis played two sold-out shows at a park called Nebworth House in England. The shows sold out in minutes and attracted 125,000 people each day. For reference... The popular Coachella Festival here in the United States only had an average of 99,000 attendees each day this year. So we're talking about two days to see one band bigger than the Coachella Festival. 2.5 million people applied for tickets to this, these Oasis shows, making it the largest demand ever for a concert in British history. These two shows would end up being seen as the peak for Oasis as things start to steadily go downhill afterward. Oasis spent the tail end of 1996 and the first half of 1997 in the studio working on the follow-up to What's the Story, Morning Glory. Liam and Noel fought constantly during the sessions, and the Noel's growing addiction to drugs, most notably cocaine, caused even more problems. 
Bolstered by the band's success, Noel essentially went mad with power and created the band's third record titled Be Here Now, which landed in late 1997. The album was so long that it just barely fit onto one CD and no full song on the record is under five minutes in length. The first single from Be Here Now was the song Do You Know What I Mean, which itself is nearly eight minutes long in its unedited form. Perfect for radio. Now did well at first, becoming the fastest selling album in British history, even to this day. However, the record quickly fell out of favor after critics gave lukewarm reviews and none of the album's singles fared well on the radio. Notably, Be Here Now represented the last of Noel Gallagher's treasure trove of songs. If you'll remember back when I talked about how the band got together, Oasis basically joined with Noel because he had a whole bunch of songs written. But now, with the release of Be Here Now, that is over. Luckily for fans, Oasis then released a compilation record of B-sides called The Master Plan. While this is technically not a proper studio album from the band, it is easily one of the best collections of songs the group has ever released and is usually cited by fans as being one of the best Oasis records. One of the notable tracks on The Master Plan is called Acquiesce and features both Liam and Noel trading off lead vocal duties, something that's only happened twice in Oasis history. After the band was done with its obligations related to Be Here Now, they kept a low profile. It wasn't until early 1999 that the group re-entered the studio to work on a new album. That album, titled Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, features the song we're going to talk about today, Roll It Over. We're going to go further in depth with this one later, but to summarize, Standing on the Shoulder of Giants didn't do well commercially or critically. Check out the album's lead single, which was seen sort of as a comeback for the group, called Go Let It Out. Try to click with what you got Taste every potion Cause if you like yourself a lot Go let it out Go let it in And go let it out Life is precocious In the most peculiar way Sister psycho With the disappointment of Be Here Now, followed by the even more disappointing Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, Oasis needed to change up the formula. In 2001, the band entered the studio again with a new strategy. Each of the band members would write material, taking the songwriting burden off Noel. The band's lineup had changed around this time, too. Bassist Bonehead and guitarist Gwigsy had left the group. Oasis now consisted of Liam on vocals, Noel on guitar and vocals, Gem Archer on guitar, Andy Bell on bass, and Alan White on drums. 
In 2002, the band released its fifth record called Heathen Chemistry, which was the first album to feature a songwriting credit from every band member aside from drummer Alan White, who played on the record but was fired after it was released. It also spawned the first single from the group not written by Noel. That song is called Songbird, and it was written by Liam Gallagher. Talking to the songbird yesterday Threw me to a past not far away She's a little pilot in my mind Singing songs we love to pass the time Gonna write a song so she can see Give her all the love she gives to me Talk of better days that have yet to come Never fell as love from anyone Reception for Heathen Chemistry was mixed but the band still was doing well on the touring circuit. Reinvigorated by its new strategy of not fully relying on Noel for songs, the band went back into the studio in 2004 to record its sixth album, Don't Believe the Truth. This album only features five songs written by Noel and received some of the best reviews for the band since Be Here Now. Check out the lead single from that record, Lila, which was written by Noel. In 2008, the band recorded its final record to date, which is called Dig Out Your Soul. During the tour for this album in 2009, Noel abruptly quit Oasis after Liam attempted to attack him using a guitar like an axe. Several shows were canceled, and not long afterward, Noel posted the following statement on the band's website. This is the statement in full. It is with some sadness and great relief, I quit Oasis tonight. People will write and say what they like, but I simply could not go on working with Liam a day longer. I love his candidness with it. It's like that guy's a poor drummer. <laughs> this guy can't stand working with him. Not like, oh, I've de- I've decided to part ways from yeah, what is, the band for for creative, creative differences. differences. Yeah, nope, nope. Liam's a dick. That's the problem. It's that guy. <laughs> and your brother, no, no less. Yeah, yeah, your brother. Since the band's breakup, Liam formed a short-lived project called BDI, which featured every member of Oasis except for Noel. Noel went on to start a solo project, and Liam eventually began a solo career after the dissolution of BDI. Although the idea of the band reuniting has come up several times over the past 10 years, Noel has made it very clear that he has no interest in working with Liam ever again. Liam, however, has publicly requested Noel bury the hatchet and reform the band several times. At this point, it's an unlikely possibility that we'll ever get a new Oasis album. Now, though, let's go back to 1999 when Oasis is in the studio tracking the follow-up to Be Here Now and writing and recording the song we're going to talk about today, Roll It Over. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast.
as Noel Gallagher sits down to write Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, it's kind of hard to even imagine how he must have been feeling or what he must have been thinking. So at this time, he's newly sober. All the songs that he had basically brought to Oasis and that Oasis had recorded and put out, a ton of them are big hits, but he no longer has that cache of songs because that well has dried up. He's used them on the previous record, so now he has to start writing things when he didn't have to do that for quite some time. And you can imagine he probably didn't have time to write them because this band was constantly touring and putting out an album and then doing the next thing. So he has no reserve left of songs and he's kind of not sure what to do. And he also, it's important to mention as, as, as we, we talk about in the history, the guitarist leaves and the bass player leaves. So, it, like, and so, and that happens like during the recording too. So now suddenly he has to not only write all these songs, he has to play all the guitar tracks on the songs and and the, the bass track as well. So I can't even imagine. And and you're sober, so you can't fall back on, <laughs> on 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 anything to sort of relieve the stress that he might have been feeling. So I can't even imagine what it must have been like getting into the studio and realizing like I have no idea what I'm doing and I don't know where to start. So he gets kind of creative with it and you can definitely hear that in this record. Though the I I hadn't listened to this album from beginning to end, I think ever. Like I'd heard a, a couple of the hits and kind of knowing this backstory which I I kind of vaguely knew but didn't really know. Uh, it kind of gives me a new appreciation for just how fresh and different this record sounds because it's a guy sitting down who's just like, okay, everything I've done before I can't do now and I'm going to start fresh. And I mean, he does, there's, there's stuff on this Oasis album that you won't hear anywhere else. Like different, uh, he talks about how he switched up his guitars and amps that he was using, the kind of effects that he was into. So this definitely stands out from the rest of the Oasis albums. You also have to keep in mind when you're listening to this record is that Be Here Now, the previous record, was by all stretch of the imagination, uh, not a failure, but a disappointment. Like the album still sold like millions and millions of copies. You know, like I said, it's still the fastest selling record in British history. So, you know, from a commercial standpoint, the album is still successful, but critically it was not successful. The critics destroyed this record. There's no major radio hits from Be Here Now at all. Like, I mean, we played Do You Know What I Mean at the beginning, and that's a, a pretty popular Oasis song for Oasis fans. And there are definitely some some pretty big songs for Oasis fans on Be Here Now. But as a whole, like, there's no major hit. There's no Champagne Supernova. There's no Wonderwall. There's no Live Forever. It's There's no major radio staple from Be Here Now. So Noel is coming away from this for all intents and purposes, disappointing record. So he's got these, you know, probably got the label standing over his shoulder being like, you know, you, you delivered us an album that was crazy long, crazy dense with all sorts of, of just total craziness and it didn't do so well. So now we're going to kind of like oversee you a little bit more and make sure that you know that you better put out something that's going to be you know, better than be here now. So like the pressure on this guy has got to be like through the roof and his brother is a total massive dick, <laughs> you know? So it's like, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so the, there, despite all the experimenting and things that you hear on this record, it's simplified. It's 10 songs, 
The songs are normal radio friendly length. So the whole record, I think, is like about 45 minutes compared to the previous one, which was, you know, Twice over, over 70 minutes. Yeah. And even the other records, I know what's some story morning glory is over an hour, I yeah. think. So, you know, there's definitely some restraint on, on this album, despite, like I said, weird, weird noises and interesting things going on. Keyboard stuff. I don't, I don't know. I found I found myself listening to this record coming into it again, not having listened to it when it came out or at, at any point. Um, it's almost like if you're familiar with the band, the verve, it's almost like if the verve channel through Oasis where it has this kind of like cool psychedelic kind of flavor that I think I wasn't expecting to hear on, right. on an Oasis album. I feel like if you listen to Noel Gallagher's solo stuff, you can kind of anticipate some of the, the different sort of sounds or, or song, uh, I guess, approaches to, to some of the tracks. Like there's a, there's a cool Noel Gallagher track that has like saxophone on it. So that, that I think of, but anyway, I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff on here that if you were an Oasis fan, I don't think I'd know what to do with. Yeah. You'd <laughs> with be it. like, okay, like I know definitely maybe by heart because it's my favorite record of all time. Like, you know, Oasis. Fans yeah. Listening to that. stuff like supersonic and cigarettes yeah. and alcohol when you throw this on. And then you hear the, and, the, and, the opening drum beat of, of go let it out, which is a sampled beat. One of the first times that an Oasis song ever used a sample instead of like actual real instrument instrumentation, you know, you're just like, okay, I guess we're, uh, this is where we're going now, you know? And for a band like Oasis, which we're going to get into later, but for a band like Oasis that is built on the idea of simplicity, of being a straight ahead rock and roll band that just does one thing, which is rock and roll, and that's it. To hear something like Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, which is, like you're saying, so much more experiment uh, experimental with all sorts of weird things going on, it, it's pretty jarring for even the most hardcore Oasis fans. And so without any hyperbole, most Oasis fans will agree that Standing on the Shoulder of Giants is the worst Oasis album. They might argue that Heathen Chemistry, the next album, is the worst. But most, most there's, there's no Oasis fan who's like, Standing on the Shoulder of Giants is my favorite record. Like, that's definitely not going to happen. But uh, so I guess you just got to keep in mind as we talk about this record and as we talk about Roll It Over – this this is a very interesting time for Oasis and a time where the spotlight is on in all the wrong ways. You know, Noel and Liam, they're used to the spotlight being on them because they're they're basically gods. Like, you know, they released one of the biggest albums of all time, two of the biggest albums of all time, if you want to count Definitely Maybe. And then they had this big disappointment with Be Here Now. And now the spotlight's on them because they're like, okay, are you guys a real band that's going to stand the test of time? Or are we only ever going to listen to your first two records and ignore everything you do afterward? So keep that all in mind while we talk about this album and roll it over. Look around at all the plastic people live without a care. This song we're talking about today, Roll It Over, is personally one of my top 10 Oasis songs of all time. I love this song. I think it's great. And I I picked this song for this episode that we're recording today because I feel like this song is kind of like a sequel 
or maybe not a sequel, but a a a very similar typing uh, type of song uh, as Champagne Supernova, which is one of Oasis's most iconic and and you know greatest songs that most people know and love. And I feel like this song has a lot of parallels to that song. Uh, you know, it, it's long. It closes out the record just like Champagne or Supernova closes out What's the Story Morning Glory, and it's got a similar kind of like lushness i guess i could say like with the production being very dense and uh pretty and uh it's also got a very beatles-esque kind of vibe which you know is pretty much every oasis song but it's most you know most apparent on songs like champagne supernova and this one uh i I feel like there's just a lot of parallels one can draw it has this kind of weave building quality yeah which which i considering champagne supernova you hear you know the the water at the beginning yeah right but but this kind of musically takes on that quality at least like when when i listened to it and and you were like oh it, it sounds like champagne supernova i immediately got what you right what you meant so i feel like if you already are 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 familiar with oasis's music and you know champagne supernova you're gonna like this one too like this has got the same kind of thing and so i appreciate Champagne Supernova as being like this iconic track to the to Oasis history. But if someone said, Scott, you have to choose between Champagne Supernova or Roll It Over, I think I would choose Roll It Over between the two of them. Just because I think this song is just so much more, I don't know. I think it's it's more direct than Champagne Supernova. Yeah. I feel like Champagne Supernova kind of like meanders a lot and and is is kind of overblown for its own. It's like too big for its well, own. Well, I mean shoes. it has the poetic quality, of, you know, the walking down the hall yeah. faster than a cannibal. Can, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got that kind of thing. Whereas this one is is pretty direct and even the lyrics are like, you know, First off, before we get into the lyrics to roll it over, I just want to preface this by saying that even Noel Gallagher doesn't know what half of his lyrics are about. Like he he asked, he's gets asked constantly what the lyrics are for "Don't Look Back in Anger," what what they mean. Like who is Sally? Why is she walking away? You know why are you angry at her? Why are you hoping? She, you know, and and Noel just Noel will be the first to admit he has no fucking clue. Why <laughs> he's like I don't know. I was high on drugs. I wrote this song. I have no idea. So just just to preface but but this song is different i feel like this song is actually pretty concrete in what it's trying to get across lyrically the song isn't really that complex there's basically two two verses and and the chorus part and that's about it so looking at the lyrics the song starts out i can give a hundred million reasons to build a barricade i blame it on the changing of the seasons the thoughts that i've conveyed does it make it all right it doesn't make it all right so i feel like he's being honest here about i kind of want to walk away or, you know, go, go hide in my room kind of sense of, you know, I, I could, I could walk away from all this. I could leave all of this. This is a lot of pressure on me. And, but I'm not okay with doing that. I feel like he's kind of recognizing in himself. Like I, I kind of have more to give. It's, it's too easy to do that. And I, I don't want to live that kind of life. And, you have to remember, you know, he's he's experiencing his newfound sobriety for the first time and who knows how long. I mean, if you watch like the, the supersonic documentary, I mean, it's pretty clear since these kids, you know, since since him and Liam have been kids, like been, you know, drinking, smoking cigarettes, you know, doing whatever. And so this is kind of the first time he is, you know, standing out, kind of looking around and looking at the world in kind of a, a newfound perspective. And you, you get that very much in maybe a little bit more clearly in the second verse, which is look around at all the plastic people who live without a care, try to sit with me around my table, but never bring a chair. 
And as we talk about with him being the sole kind of creative force of this band, that's he's kind of just telling you how he feels like here. Here I am bringing everything to this band and nobody's kind of helping me out. (laughs) And and I could I could kind of use some help. (laughs) And and a lot of people, you know, maybe aren't able to help or they're just, you know, really fake people. You know, the the reference to plastic people where it's just like you're just. I, I can't imagine how it probably feels with how many people are involved in the making of a record and, you know, studio people probably coming in and out, checking up on you, be like, how is the writing going? You know, stopping by on an, I, I get the, the feeling that this is very much his, him conveying his experience of sitting in a studio where, you know, you're surrounded by engineers and the producer and other musicians playing on the record, but still feeling very alone. I, I, I almost, feel like is is at least what i get from the song yeah i like the idea of what you were saying with his with his you know his newfound sobriety at this point in 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 the in the history of the band where he's for the first time ever like looking around and slowing down and stopping and being like wow like i've come a long way and there's been a lot of amazing things that have happened i've played one of the biggest concerts in in the history of of the united kingdom i've had one of the most successful albums both in my native country and worldwide like i'm a megastar i am huge and i was totally gonzed out on drugs 90% of the time and i don't even remember half the stuff uh, we, there's there's plenty of other things we it, while we were you know prepping for this episode we we heard Noel talk about how he doesn't even remember writing some of the Oasis songs like he literally doesn't even remember how they came to be he doesn't remember what's about he doesn't remember writing it he doesn't remember anything and so to sort of stop all that and be in the studio kind of like going through the motions almost like kind of like thinking to yourself like oh well now it's time to make a new record so i gotta go to the studio and do what i've always done but nothing is the same nothing like the band members aren't there anymore it's just noel and liam and alan white the drummer you know there's no treasure trove of songs to pick from anymore so yeah he looks around and he's like wow like you know who the hell is this guy <laughs> you know like, like literally like there's probably an a and r rep you know from the label like sitting in the studio listening and nodding along and thinking to himself you know like is there a hit on this or do we have another b here now do i have to step in and stop what whatever noel's doing and noel's probably looking around like who is this guy? Like I've never met this person before in my life and he probably has, he just doesn't remember. So it's, it's a very lost time for Noel. He doesn't really ever get it back. I mean, even on heathen chemistry, the the album that follows this one and then the, the subsequent two after that, he stops, you know, writing all the songs. He starts giving the songwriting duties out. He realizes after this record comes out that, that he can't do this by himself anymore. And Roll It Over is kind of like the culmination of that. Like what, what you're saying, like with the first opening line, I can give a hundred million reasons to build a barricade. I blame it on the ch- changing of the seasons, the thoughts that I've conveyed. That's really, yeah, it's like an omission of being like, I could run away from all of this, shut myself in my room, build up a wall around me and never come out again. But I'm no fucking Gallagher. I'm not going to do that. But that's what I feel like I should do. That's where I am right now. And so this song kind of becomes like a very deep kind of thing when it comes to Oasis and Noel Gallagher personally. And I guess if you didn't know all this, you might just be like, oh, it just sounds like Champagne Supernova or it just sounds like another bloated Oasis song. But when you dive in, you realize that this song is is pretty important and, and pretty important to the band and Noel personally, I'm sure. And when the title of the song is mentioned, the line is roll it over my soul and leave me here. I feel like he's really coming to 
terms with everything and just how it feels. And it probably feels like on, on the, on the one hand, this is kind of soul crushing, just kind of the realization of everything that's happened so far. And do I still have it? Maybe I don't have it, but I also just kind of need to accept whatever the outcome is. So I, 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 that's, that's the sense that I get from that roll it over my soul and leave me here, whatever I'm left with after this process, I just need to accept as the truth. Like, I'm either a, a, a great songwriter and I have all this talent and I still have more to give or I'm going to be exposed as, you know, a fraud with, 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 you know, nothing, nothing left to show for myself. And, you know, I'll be, you know, the 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 Wonder Wall guy, you know, I, 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 I feel like it's that kind of thing. And I feel like it's this just mature acceptance of I'm just going to keep I'm, I'm going to be a candid person and just kind of lay everything on the table and here I am, here's what I'm capable of. And if people choose to accept it and like it and want to continue to love my songs and Oasis, they can do that. And if they don't, then, you know, that's fine too. I, I, I feel like that's what this song is about. One of the things I want to mention about what I love about Oasis, aside from just music lyrics and, and, and what they do, is just Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher as people. They're amazingly blunt in a, in a, in a way <laughs> that comes... That's an interesting way to say. <laughs> in a way that comes off as just endlessly humorous. Like, I, I've never been so entertained listening to, like, any... Listening or reading any kind of interview, just anything... I'm I'm dying laughing and I guess it's I guess it's more fun when you're not the object of ridicule for either of them because I mean they they do say some pretty harsh things about each other and about other people um but I I don't I don't know if they necessarily see it that way they're just like oh, I'm just I'm just kidding with you you're not you're not offended right <laughs> kind of deal but I I think the the best example at least of Noel Gallagher's humor and candidness is and they have a there's a, a DVD that collects all their videos, um, all the videos that Oasis made, and Noel Gallagher gives commentary on them. And there's a compilation video that you can at least watch on YouTube if you don't, you know, have the DVD or it's hard to find. I'm not even sure how how available it is. And it is some of the funniest <laughs> 20 minutes of commentary you'll ever hear, where he's just it's self-effacing. He's just putting down like, what the hell am I wearing? Like, you know, like, why are we doing this? Or like, Oh, I just came up with like some random idea. And the, the director of the music video was just like, sure, we can do that. And he's just like, what the fuck? Like, this is, this is how, like this guy is supposed to have a plan about like, what? it's just, it's, it's endlessly hilarious. Um, so I always like whenever I need a laugh or anything, I'll, I'll throw that on every once in a while. Cause it's just, it's so funny. Um, but I think as far as, Oasis's music is concerned. I definitely remember buying um, "What's the Story, Morning Glory" and listening to the hell out of it. And I think it was kind of at a time too when I was starting to buy albums, so I didn't really have that much music. 
So I think I listen to What's the Story of Morning Glory more than a lot of other albums because it's just like I just didn't have the money to like buy something and things weren't, you know, streaming all the time and the radio was only playing the hits. So I, I remember listening to this album a lot and loving every track on it, loving Champagne Supernova. And I remember being really into the track She's Electric for some reason. That's a great song. And and I think and but I, I think it gave me a greater appreciation of listening to like records as a whole. Because a, a I was forced to because it's like I didn't have the money to, to buy you know other stuff, um, but it really gives you an appreciation for uh, the the whole album as art form kind of deal, and I and I think like it helped me. I, I think listening to this record kind of helped me pay more attention to those songs that that weren't hits than maybe I, I otherwise might have. I'm a huge Oasis fan, and I've been looking forward to recording this episode for a long time just because I knew at some point we were going to do Oasis, and I knew I would be so excited to talk about them and and just how big they are for me and, and everything. And now that I'm like you know sitting here and talking into the microphone and recording it, I, I don't even know like where to begin. Like I feel like I could just talk for an hour, just ramble for an hour about just how great Oasis is. But I think the best way to sum it up is that Oasis, for me, is pure rock and roll. Like, to the purest sense. There's no pretension. There's no outfits. There's no stage show. There's no message. Nothing. It's just rock and roll. And you can either take it or leave it. You know, I think a lot of people, when they think of Oasis, they think of Wonderwall, especially here in the United States. They think of Wonderwall. They think of this, you know, great, 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 great song. That's acoustic based with an orchestra or at least a string section and, you know, is kind of vague, kind of psychedelic, whatever. And Wonderwall is a great song, but for most people that grew up with Oasis, you know, you know, I was a, a, a I, how was I? It was 94. So I was 11, you know, when Oasis came out. So I was just on the precipice of like getting into modern music and, you know, like you said, buying your own records and like discovering who you are as a music listener and everything. I was right there. And for me, when I think of Oasis, I think of rock and roll star. Like I think of the first record and just how loud and just, I don't know, menacing it was to listen to this, this wall of sound that was so much bigger than life and just I don't know. It just it it totally changed my outlook on on a lot of things for for music in general and rock and roll and all that. But you know, even in the '90s when when Oasis was was arguably at its peak, you had you know you had your Nirvana, you had uh, you know Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, The Smashing Pumpkins, all bands that sounded similar to Oasis in that they were loud rock and roll songs that had, you know, hooky choruses and pop sensibilities, but at the same time were not the type of music that your mom would listen to, you know? But at the same time, those bands were shunning success. They were not interested in success. You know, Pearl Jam, we have a Pearl Jam episode. If you want to listen to that, we talk a lot about how the band was very conscious about how they didn't want to be perceived as a mainstream act. And the Smashing Pumpkins, we also have a Smashing Pumpkins episode. Similar thing, Billy Corgan did not want the band to be huge. He wanted to be remained underground. All these groups were so interested in not being successful and oasis was the exact opposite they were like no we want to be huge we want to be playing stadiums and hearing the crowd sing every word back to us we want to be the band that is 
unabashedly a rock and roll act that is beloved by everyone you know oasis caught a lot of flack in the original in the in the the early days because noel and liam noel in particular would constantly say things like oasis is the greatest band in the world no band has ever been better than oasis the definitely maybe is the greatest album of all time like they would say this about their own stuff and you know at the time people would be like oh you know what a bunch of pretentious bastards you know what a bunch of losers or whatever you know they get really upset about it because they're so used to people like you know i don't know kurt cobain talking Talking about like, oh, you know, mainstream music is a shithole and, you know, everything that's really good is in underground or whatever, but not Oasis. They were like, no, we are the greatest thing ever. And they believed it. And I don't know, for me, it was something about that that I just, just absolutely fell in love with. And, you know, if the music was even half as good. I still would have loved Oasis, but it's not. It's 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 incredible, especially those first two records and and the master plan. Just unbelievable, unbelievable uh songs and and delivery of those songs, Liam's voice, everything is so perfect. And so anyway, yeah, like I said, I could just go on like this and just gush and it would be, you know, boring. Nobody wants to listen to me talk about Oasis like this for the next 20 minutes. But I will just say that it is an incredible band to listen to. And once you really get into who they are as a group and what Noel is trying to do with the group and their attitude towards their own music and their own image, it it, it only just gets more it just gets denser. It just gets more and more likable. You know, like Jason's saying, like one of his favorite things about Oasis is not even Oasis song. It's just Noel Gallagher talking about how ridiculous their videos are. Like the more you get into it, the more you get out of it. And it, I don't know, it's similar to one of our more recent episodes where we talked about Rammstein, which is the same thing. It's like the more you dive in and the more you read and the more you watch and the more you learn about the band, it only gets just more and more interesting. So I highly recommend people, you know, if you like Wonderwall, if you like Champagne Supernova, if you like Live Forever, great, great songs, but there's more, there's more to it. Pick up the master plan. Jason, one of his favorite songs is off. Oh yeah, yeah. Talk talk tonight, I will put on basically any playlist I make. I'm like, where is it? Where is it? I mean, it's just like, you know, soft acoustic. Like if you love Wonderwall, you're going to love Talk Tonight. Yeah. And it's, Again, with the candid honesty, it's Noel talking about like a, a night or two that he spent like away from the band because he was like basically like ready to quit the band. It was when and, it was when Liam threw the tambourine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he and he basically just talks about that experience and meeting up with someone and kind of just feeling better about life. Uh, so, so I mean, there's despite the you know rock and roll swagger of this band, there's also a lot of heart heart there as well, and um these kind of emotional tracks that, yeah, that I think you, you miss when, you know, it's, you throw on cigarettes and alcohol as, <laughs> as cool as cool as you know the songs are <laughs> yeah no the, the, everything they did is, is is great but there's so much more and then even the later albums after this like you know uh, don't believe the truth is a great record and so is the final one dig out your soul heathen chemistry's you know kind of okay but it you know it, it has some good stuff on there so there's so much more you know please don't just listen to wonderwall and think that you know everything about oasis because there's so much more going on and i know in my heart of hearts that oasis is never going to get back to together but it's okay because i i got to see them a few times and uh you know all the shows that i saw were just incredible and 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 i I, i'm glad that i got to experience that but uh even if you're never gonna be able to see them live unfortunately there's still plenty of dvds there's plenty of things on youtube uh noel is is not the kind of guy who shies away from fame he loves doing interviews he loves playing shows he loves being a rock star so 
it's not hard to find a waste of stuff. You just have to take the time to do so. So please, please, please take the time. I, I assure you, if you like rock music at all, you will fall in love with Oasis anytime you, you just start, start down the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Please visit our website at www.skippedonshuffle.com for more news about other episodes and our upcoming schedule. We are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please visit skippedonshuffle.com for links to all of our social media pages.